Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Well, whoop-a-dee-doo! It's another 24 season six episode brought to you by the Oz Network. We are really scraping to the bottom of the barrel here in the new year. <laughs> it's literally a review of the Oz Network. Well, whoop-dee-doo! It's the Oz Network. <laughs> Reading your reviews verbatim, that's what we resorted to instead of talking about season six of 24. Best intro ever. Episode, <laughs> episode 13, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. A uh, whopper of an episode uh, aired on March the 12th, 2007. Happy birthday, Ben. Uh, yeah. Welcome to your 20s, I think. Yes. Uh, I would have been six days away from turning 20. Wow. There you go. What a time! And what to a be happy alive. birthday they gave you! <laughs> the last episode of my teens was this episode. <laughs> I, I bet you somebody made you a nice birthday dinner of strawberries or, or kiwis, <laughs> or stabbing me in the wherever I got stabbed. I don't even know what part of the body that is—shoulder or chest in the chest. <laughs> and here's a nice stack of magazines still on sale during the middle of a nuclear crisis. Uh, this was written by Joel Cernow and Michael Osef, directed by John Kassar, and uh, March the 12th, 2007. Uh, what a famous date. Oh, all those things. Why don't you remind of all those famous things from March the 12th? Sure. Um, they happened, and stuff that occurred included the following. <laughs> which, Stalling when you got a new computer. <laughs> it's a very interesting day, because on that day in 1968, Mauritius gained independence from the United Kingdom. That's good. Of course um, they did. In the Winter War, Finland signed the Moscow Peace Treaty, ceding almost all of Finnish Kerala. So unlike Moscow and Russia to try and take a land in uh, other parts of <laughs> Europe. Uh, it's so unusual. And I can tell you that very famous birthdays happened on that day, including the most famous one, according to FamousBirthdays.com, 17-year-old YouTube star Lily Ann Nelson. Happy birthday oh. to her. Who's an actual famous person? They're all like 12-year-old kids that are all like TikTok stars. How are these famous? It's Liza Minnelli's birthday on March the 12th, and apparently she's only the 21st most famous person behind people like TikTok star Tim Shacker and TikTok star Tempress, who looks like an alien. So, yeah. Well, whoopity-doo, TikTok stars. <laughs> exactly. Mitt Romney, nearly president of the United States. He's only 38th on this list. Okay. Oh, oh nearly present. If, just a couple more magic markers and he would have made his way there. <laughs> if he wasn't Mormon. Oh. No, that's, that's, we that's get okay. To... He can be Mormon. He has plenty of wives to back him up. <laughs> we get to talk about this episode. That's right. This one. Uh, my name is Colin and I no longer have to tolerate your sarcasm. 
And my name is Ben, and I'm just Ben Waterworth. <laughs> just Ben. <laughs> I'm my just name is ben, ben. Just Ben. <laughs> the only good thing from that movie. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm judging by your tone, Colin. I'm good at reading tone that you may not like this episode which i was actually surprised because i hate this episode and i kind of thought you were going to come in defending this episode for some reason and you know what i wanted to defend this because this is it's a big episode and i think at some point in season six you just have to accept yeah this is the garbage we're getting just enjoy what you can out of it oh, and i wish we had shirley Manson. this is sort of you know uh, there it's <laughs> it's got a memorable moment but uh uh, 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 like I, I, I don't feel like we, we're not, we're not going to be able to spend enough time talking about everything that's wrong with the Martha and Logan stuff. I mean, we even said last week, yeah, as as big as it is, and as much of a shocker as it was, it's it's not necessarily the story we wanted. And there's some things I'll get into as to why that rose me the wrong way, but more than anything else, it's the rest of this episode that's the problem. And yes, the the Martha and Logan stuff, it's it's flimsy. It's it's. Not what you want. It's depressing. But the rest of this episode is just like, what is going on? Uh, why Why is this happening? Where is the, the logic in any of this? Why do they need an excuse to have to kill Jack? Like, there's literally a scene where they're trying to come up with excuses. All right, we're going to say he tried to escape, right? How about he just tried to assassinate a Russian politician? It's, uh, it's just a lot of nonsense. And I actually did want to at least try to defend this enough to make it a rent because this might be the last really true memorable moment this season has for several weeks but uh no i'm not there well uh i just want to say there are two words that sum up this episode and why a lot of the next few episodes aren't very good and they are ricky schroeder um because he is here ladies and gentlemen and screw this guy uh, because I absolutely hate Ricky. Oh, no, no, I don't hate Ricky Schroeder. I hate Mike Doyle. I don't know enough about okay. Ricky Schroeder and his politics and why he's been cancelled and abused people, <laughs> apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Ricky, if you're innocent, I'm sorry. But he's terrible. And, I mean, <laughs> Logan and Mark, again, you, you're always going to bring them back. When you've got such stars of the previous season, you're always going to bring them back. You need to. But, like, this is how you do it. And I just want to point out one thing. At the end of this episode, there's a cliffhanger that Logan is dying. He's been stabbed. And oh no, will he survive? Will he won't survive? What will happen to the Logans? We never find out. We don't see this man again to season eight. So clearly he survives. Martha, I don't know, has been sent to Guantanamo Bay for all we know. Um, I think there's a passing mention of her next season because we do get Aaron back. Like yeah. a little bit in the White House because why else are we going to bring back Glenn Morshower? But you've literally nearly killed the star of last season, you would argue. Beep, beep, beep. He's going into VTAC. Quick, get these paddles that George Clooney uses. And you never, like, this is worse than what happens with Wayne this season. And I think that's one of the reasons why on a rewatch, and this is where I'm I'm not always agreeing with, with, uh, your, your rating based on, oh, but I know what this comes to and I know where it goes from here. I know where it doesn't go from here. Uh, but this is one where it can't be avoided because yeah. this is played out like this is the biggest shocker since the bomb went off. Uh, and as far as characters go, this is the it is the single big shocker of the season. But we had not enough time to actually build towards this story. And I'm I'm going to come close to confirming that they had no plans to bring either of these actors back uh, because there is a commentary uh, on the DVDs from Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart, which 
stop watching all of season six right now and listen to their commentary. Listen to their season five commentary, their season six. I, I just want them back. Season seven, they're not in it. I want them to do a commentary. Like they are the greatest commentary duo well, they ever. They got Shannon Doherty to do a commentary that time because she was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, they they honestly could have their own TV show. Like they are so good together off screen. They're great together on screen. But uh, yeah, it, I can't avoid it this time that we don't get anywhere with this because I, I do know that Logan comes back. But having never bothered to rewatch this season, of course, having seen the future seasons, I know that we're, we're not going to bring Martha back. You know, you probably tune a lot of this out by the time you're in season seven, not sitting there trying to connect the dots of every, you know, loose strand that they had in season six. But now that we're up to it, I'm like, it bothers me that we don't get Martha again. It bothers me we don't really get mentions of her or what happened to this or any conclusion to this story. And I think one of the main reasons that bothers me is because I know what we're going to be getting in a couple weeks from, say, Audrey and a lot of what we've gotten from Kim since she left the show is we get a progression. You bring these characters back and then you bring them back again to give some form of closure and there being no closure. This is just what makes it that much harder to take. I hear the anger building. It's great. Like this is this <laughs> I'm is, getting angry. <laughs> this is the issue again with this like conspiracy plot line because you've got threat. Like, I don't know if you watch Loki season two where they've got the temporal loom and they've got like the worms and it's very complicated. This is what's this government conspiracy is becoming. I swear Loki season two got this from 24 seasons five, six, and seven, because you're doing all these things. And like, again, I get why you want to bring Logan back because he was a key part, but you literally bring him back for two, three episodes. You do this on a big cliffhanger and you forget about it. You forget about mm. it. Like, it's just, it's, it's so bad. Like, this is where I would have been completely fine if you did not bring him back at all this season. And season eight was the first time we see him since season five. Like, again, season eight, besides, oh, that's Jack Bauer. He's like, he's cartoony. He's, He's Logan. He's what he became at the end of season five. That's what we expect him to be. Martha, it's like the only thing this serves as is fan service for all the people who shipped Martha mm -hmm. and Aaron. And that's what yeah. they did to confirm that. I'm not taking away from Gene Smart, Gregory Itzin, or Glenn Morshow. They put in great performances. I mean, Gene Smart is amazing in this episode. I'm pretty sure she got nominated for an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken, for this, or she got nominated for something, else, as I think did Gregory Itzin. They are fantastic but it serves nothing more than just like, let's bring him back for an episode for reasons. Um, yeah. Outside of all of that, I agree with you. The rest of this stuff is terrible. And it's just like, there are so many elements to this where basically Ricky Schroeder is just so bad. And like the fact that literally CTU get the bit, like we talk about luck of the draw across this season about how like 99% of the time they run out of like, fuck, We've got nothing to find something, and Jack Bauer gets a phone call. Oh, how mm -hmm. lucky am I? This is the luckiest thing ever. CTU are about to invade a foreign country, and they just happen at the last minute to get the foreign country's president to go, yeah, you can invade us, that's fine. Like, literally, do they learn nothing from two years ago? <laughs> and it's just, oh, God, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm saying it now. I'm spoiling it for the end. I spoiled it last week. This, to me, is the worst episode of all time at this point. I'm just saying it's terrible. It's so bad. Well, and Ricky Schroeder. Ricky For anybody Schroeder. out there who, who's who's looking for a little bit of defense, it won't be my worst episode. Um, it's it's not even going to be my bottom two of this season, but uh, we'll see <laughs> where last, it lands. Clearly. <laughs> and Ricky but, uh, Schroeder. <laughs> well, I'll get to Ricky Schroeder very quickly because I, I, I did to? say <laughs> last week that I had watched this episode already and that Oh, maybe I could see some of your issues with him. Uh, but uh, he's the worst character. That, I'm saying right now, him and Josh are the two worst characters in 24 history. Uh, I, I mean, Marilyn's in there too. Uh, She's probably <laughs> third worst. 
Yeah, there, there's uh, a lot of season six characters going to end up on that list. Um, so I'm going to save the Martha and Logan stuff to the end. Oh, no, but I want to talk save... about fruit. Oh, uh, we'll get to the fruit. <laughs> we'll get to the fruit. That's the best part of this episode. <laughs> but uh, just, I guess, the, the opening part of this episode, or I guess um, continuing on from last week. So Jack has now attacked Markov. He's tried to escape. We had evil sinister man at the end of the last episode that I hated where they pan up and he's got this smirk across his face that I swear we never see that guy again. Uh, but uh, they're they're sitting here concocting a story about how they're going to explain why they had to kill this CTU agent. A CTU agent broke into your consulate. <laughs> it's this is your territory. He attacked you. He held you hostage. You don't need an excuse. You shoot him in the head right now, and you're just fine. You're, nobody is going to actually you know hold you accountable for this. Let, let's let's go back to 1939. It's a year that we all remember fondly, and uh, you know we're either <laughs> mentioning 9/11 or the Nazis. So let's get the Nazis off the list. Imagine a Polish person in Warsaw sitting around going, "Shit, we've captured a Nazi." Let's kill him, but we can't. That's naughty. Oh, let's let's make up a story. He invaded your country. All right? It was yeah. a man because women were good back in 19... 19- well, they're still good. They didn't invade. The men did because men are assholes. That's why I'm not being sexist. So that's exactly the same thing. They invaded your territory. Kill him. <laughs> and, and then we got Markov, who's like, oh, we need to make sure he doesn't get any word out. Cut the phone lines and the DSL. Not the DSL. <laughs> No. I just, I had to laugh because, I mean, you could even say cut the internet, but I mean, this is 2007, so DSL is really Ooh. taking off. They, they were sponsored. I, I didn't even mention last week that they, I don't know if you uh, uh, noticed when Karen was watching the news on her Sprint cell phone, yeah. which nobody got that type of, uh, uh, that type of video quality. On the cell phone. You watch that now There's- and you're like, so, but like back then that was like, a, that was a big deal. And that, that's like now somebody if somebody says DSL now, first of all, they wouldn't say cut the DSL now, but here the cut the DSL. This is the new hip thing that all the kids are talking about. DSL internet. Um, so basically Jack spends the entire episode wandering around a building trying to uh uh figure out how he can get out. He he makes a phone call. Now I've already I, I was already zoned out just with all this jack stuff uh in this compound or uh, embassy console. You were jacked off. But- I, I was, yes, that's exactly where I was going with that. But he makes a phone call to Morris. Now, a direct call to Morris. Like, wh- why is Chloe not his go-to? And why is he making a phone call to say, I need to make a phone call out? Like, I got really confused there. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can't help you there. I mean, seriously, like, there's so many things with this episode where you're just like, I, I have no idea. And like, and just, and he's why, literally why he... calling Morris up and he's like, Morris, Morris, I got a problem. I can't get a landline out to uh, the outside world. Oh, they must have cut the phone lines of the DSL. If only there were a way to actually phone somebody outside that building. I also Hold like, on, Jack. I got call waiting. I also don't know, like... We're seeing Jack, like, freaking electrocuted, stabbed, balls cut off, like, all this sort of stuff. Why is this the one time he's like, oh, I'm sore? Like, you were just in China for 18 months being tortured, and you were pretty okay to be a vampire within, like, 30 minutes. Now, all of a sudden, a Russian threw you down some stairs, and now you're like, oh, my back, my sciatica. (laughs) My back. (laughs) Uh, Oh, he's going to be in more pain next week, of course. Uh, I'm in more uh, pain this week. (laughs) Basically, all he does before we actually get to the uh, the, the big raid later on, uh, he rave. goes into a supply closet. The rave, yeah. <laughs> Tricky. Uh. Jack, Jack runs into like these two Russian couples. Oh, yeah, I love this banger. Woo! <laughs> doof, 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 doof. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, you got these Russian... 
people trying to have sex in the supply closet. <laughs> again, like, I, I mean, they're on the job, okay? So maybe something like this happens. But again, on a day where a nuclear bomb has exploded in the city you're in, I don't they care it's not it. your country. They're horny. They love nuclear there's, stuff. <laughs> there's stuff to do, I think. Uh, this is what Dimitri, they have to do. Suck my boobies. <laughs> and he just asks them, how do I get a line to the outside? Because Morris isn't answering his phone anymore. <laughs> not uh, Morris, no. <laughs> so he's like, well, we have a satellite phone. Okay, okay, go get it. But don't tell anybody where you're going. Uh, we'll come back to Jack later on. Uh, the uh, the Daniel stuff. Daniels meets up with Lennox and he goes, so you remember all that stuff with Reed? It never happened, right? Well, uh, he did try to kill the president. Right, right, right. But uh, I, I'm, I'm saying it again. Powers Booth makes mo- oh, Powers Booth and sorry. Peter McNichol. Yeah. They make so much out of such bad scripts here. Yep. Because uh, the way that he just blows it off, but yet he's he's not blowing it off. He's 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 actually telling Lennox what he wants to hear and he's getting him aside. And the way that Lennox plays this, uh, Lennox, Peter McNichol as Lennox, it's just brilliant watching these two guys together. He basically convinces them to just go along with the story that it was Assad who did this because we still have a plan. We need to stick with the plan. It's weird that he's having this conversation in front of Lisa. Um, I mean, we'll get more into the stuff with Lisa later on, but like, does Lennox know anything what's going on with Lisa? Like, he should be like, somebody's hearing this conversation right now. This is on the record, uh, Mr. Vice President. Uh, but it, it, again, Peter McNichol, there's there's a talent that he's had in this season that I would have never picked up on the first time around. And I mentioned this when we had the conversation with Reed, where he's being very non-committal without being non-committal. And yet the words he's, it's not the words he's saying, it's the way he's delivering it. Like mm. with Reed, did you... Did you know that uh, you, you know what we were doing all along? You were going to go against us, or did you change your mind? And it was just the way Peter McNichol delivered that line, where it's like it still keeps it up in the air. And that's what I praised Gregory Itzen for last season. Even when something should be concrete that would create a plot hole later on, it's like he just knew I need to keep this loose enough in case they they change course later on. And the way he just says, "I will think long and hard about it, sir." Uh, but yet he says it in a way where it's like, "Okay, the vice president would buy that." But then the audience, if you're going back on rewatch, you're like, "Ooh, is he?" just saying that you know is he is he is this doing is he pulling a read on him i'm just i'm just saying what you want to go along with it uh daniels threatens the ambassador um i don't understand daniels motivation again this is gonna be a problem for weeks after weeks i mean i i get he makes some good arguments every time there's a scene with him he's talking about you know we have to start acting and if this were a regular season of 24 i would say this is your overzealous racist president who just wants oil in the middle east or something like that but it's the fact that they will every once in a while just throw a line out about uh, we can't tolerate another one of these attacks and then you remember this has been going on for weeks terrorist what's been going on this day has been spread out over what nine weeks now yeah and the fact there has been no retaliation seemingly no plan whatsoever to end this you kind of have to at least side with daniels that that he's like we need to make a statement full on ball with him and again, Daniels is not necessarily right in his actions, or he's not right in 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 the sense of this is from from when you see how everything's going to play out the season. This is the right course of action, but he's doing something. You know? yeah. <laughs> Should he be going to war with another country? Probably not. Um, and uh, the, the, the amazing conversation he has there with the uh, the ambassador, though, where the ambassador says, uh, "But the president and I had a deal," and he's just like. And now you're gonna have one with me. <laughs> he's he's strong arming this guy. I love it. Um, uh, I, I'll, I'll all we have to talk about Gradenko. 
he's waiting and fired finally finally arrives because <laughs> our good friend Adoni's finally uh, uh, capable of working again. Although I don't actually think we see him at the beginning of this episode. No, he uh, literally the, the two car... seconds at the end here. Yeah. Yeah, the, the car pulls up and, and this is the most realistic transportation in 24 history. <laughs> he, he just shows up about 45 minutes later, which is probably how long it would take. Uh, they're they're going to get the, the bombs on because the drones are ready. Uh, and then, um, uh, well, let's, let's, let's cover those things. If I have anything to talk about them, then we'll get into the, the CTU stuff before Logan and Mark. I, I just, I love Colin getting on board. He's turning to me like, and this happens and this happens and there's a Dom and this yeah, is, he's so quick. I love this. Um, <laughs> that's what Jamie says too. Uh, but <laughs> what? So Dropy, I love this part. <laughs> I mean, just the, the Jack stuff, like. Uh, you're like it's so dumb that they're like we need to find excuse to kill the american agent <laughs> i'm sorry you're russian like yeah like i i i honestly say this with and i shouldn't say this in 2023 but like with the utmost respect to russians like because i've always liked russia except for now bad russia but like i've always been a country that i've always wanted to go to and like they've always it's always been a country that's fascinated me but like i've like you like most people have always grown up as russians are evil right like that's kind of the thing oh i, I didn't cuz my family was well, russian there you go. You're, you're, in soviet russia colin was born but like yeah. <laughs> you know for the most part though like i don't ever think like unlike say when we went through that wave and we're seeing it i guess in this where middle east and are evil cuz they're terrorists like we were never, I think, ever meant to sympathise with them. Where I think the Russians, you got to a point where you were kind of like, well, there was two sides to every story. Like, you know, let's let's do the Russian side of things. Till a few years ago, Russia was kind of in most people's good books again. They were just like, oh, yeah, Russia, okay. Like, and at this point, two thousand seven, Russia was fine. So you know, but we know enough about Russia where it's still like they're going to shoot someone in the dick. They're going to invade a country tomorrow, even if tomorrow Putin was just like, yes, I was wrong. Sorry, Ukraine. Hi, Jamie. Uh, you know, we, we bad people. I, I stepped down as president and I don't know who's uh, Tom Hanks is president of Russia because everyone likes him. <laughs> like, and everyone likes <laughs> Russia again. Like, I mean, and then Tom Hanks is like, yes, we're, we're bad. We cheated in sport. Like we, are we, are whatever. Still not the point. We know in like five years time, they're probably going to invade like a mega four meat volcano. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mega pizza. I guess that's what the kids are having. That, that, that's not what Russia's invading, <laughs> but that's, that's a big enough pizza that. Putin would want to invade that. That looks good. <laughs> the point is, like, there's enough about Russia to know that, like, if they're just going to shoot an American, like, what was good about them invading China a couple of seasons ago is China's always a bit mysterious. China's only really in mm -hmm. the last, like, 10, 20 years become this sort of world superpower that we've got to be careful about. But even then, we don't know enough about China to really fully understand them, you know, because of how secretive they are. So that's where the Chinese thing worked. Well, Russia... Like, fucking, like, they're going to kill an American agent. Like, what? Why are these Russians like, we must think of the consequences, Dmitri? Like, I mean, come on. And you make this nice by having Dmitri and female Demetrius. I don't know. Like, having Demetrius, it's quantum of solace <laughs> now. Um, like, they're having, uh, not Cassandra Royale, the other one. Casino. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I know James Bond. I should host a podcast. Uh, <laughs> They're having sex. I mean, I do kind of like these characters. They're kind of cute, right? Because it's all like, no, don't shoot her. She's innocent. And like, we never know what happens there. Dimitri here. Anyway, it's just dumb. It's silly. And Jack Bauer fell down some stairs and now we saw. Like, of all the things we've seen happen to Jack Bauer, this is what breaks him. <laughs> oh, my sciatica. Um, Noah Daniels, like, Powers. I want a whole season of Powers Booth. I want, yes. I, like, he's incredible. He's so good. He makes crap good. And Peter McNeil, like, 
we talked about this in the past when we've had like Kiefer work off certain actors. When you've got such a good actor who can work off another great actor, like the was it the post that Tom Hanks Meryl Streep movie that we watched? Mm. Now I don't remember a whole lot of that movie. I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember being blown away by the fact that you've got Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep acting against each mm-hmm. other, right? But like in hindsight, you put two of them together. It's like if Gretzky at his peak. And Conor McDavid at his peak or Sidney Crosby at their peak were playing on the same team. Like, yeah. whoa, like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, this is what you get. So when you've got like... It'd people- be like Madonna and Rihanna hey, in a duet together. <laughs> you said it. Um, Madonna in the you 80s. Can't play the song. According to you, uh, with Rihanna in like 2008. All right? So you put them together and you got your peak, right? Madonna and Britney Spears did a duet together. It was great. There you yeah. go. Um, if Madonna and Michael Jackson had done a duet together, they were very close many times and that would have blown the world away. But anyway, the point is it's incredible and Powell's booth is just so good. And just what he does with the ambassador here, it's like last week how he did that, I'm still talking, damn it. Like just Mm -hmm. the way he kind of just like controls this guy. And I mean, I've got questions. Like he's the acting president. He's not been sworn in yet. Again, I don't know enough about my constitution of the United States to know if the vice president is acting president, does he or she have the power to launch nuclear strikes? Yeah. I would assume not because at that point, codes would still be in the... Pre- like they change codes. I get that. But, like, I get there's probably some sort of emergency directive involved. But, like, still, surely, if they've got the president on, like, life support where he's not dead that there's got to be some sort of level. Because, like, otherwise... At this point, he's only in surgery, too. Let's remember that. Exactly. Otherwise, I I could be like, hey, Mr. Hey, Joe, I'm going to be the new (laughs) vice president. Oh, no, Joe had a heart attack. Nuke New Zealand. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I don't think that's... I mean, what what happens when the the president is, I don't know, going in for a root canal and they have to put him under? (laughs) Exactly. Vice president just say, I'm going to war with... With uh, Yemen? Yeah, exactly. It's always Yemen. But, like, I mean, again, I get it. Like, 24's got a 24. We, we've got a disbelief sometimes. But I, but I like this. This is where I'm on board with Daniels. And, like, even next week, like, at the end of the day, they were nuked. This is America. We know enough yeah. about America to know <laughs> there's going to be retaliation. And, like, 9-11, here we go. Nazis tick, 9-11 tick. Like, I think everybody knew... After 9-11, once we'd all been like, oh, my God, that's terrible, the next day or two, even as a 14-year-old, I'm going like, so when are America bombing the shit out of someone? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. seriously, <laughs> we're all like, going like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. And a month later, it did. And I remember that day. Like, I remember that day when they bombed Afghanistan almost as much as 9-11 because I remember, like, I wasn't excited. That's not the right word. But I was like, oh, my God, they've, they've done it. America are like, yeah, like, USA, USA, let's get revenge. Like, I'm Australian, and I'm like, yeah, revenge. Fuck, whoever did this. And we know they did the wrong people, but that's a whole other story. But, like, the point is, America would be doing this. Like, they would be going to fucking town. Um, So why, I get you've got a question, but, like, they're all like, come on, surely. And particularly the fact that a second one, next week, I'm jumping ahead, go, like, nearly goes off. They're bombing the shit out of people. And this is a country that got bombed, like, how many years ago with the Palmas? Palmer administration, weak. Retaliate, all right? Um, Daniels is great. I'm getting ranty. Sorry. Yes. Uh, this, this is completely off topic, but on long no, lines of uh, it's unusual, <laughs> we, we got to reach our one hour somehow here in an episode like this. But uh, along the lines of like, uh, you know, Gretzky McDavid, Rihanna Madonna, uh, McNichol and Booth, uh, there's um, this, this documentary on Paramount Plus. I, I basically 
have my whatever my my promo for Paramount Plus where I'm like I'm not going to pay 10 bucks a month. 5 was fine, but 10 is too much. <laughs> but there's this documentary on Michael Jackson's Thriller that's on oh, Paramount Plus. Oh, that I really want to watch it. Yeah, it's um, typically you get these ones where it's like oh, oh the history of an album and you're like okay, this will be 30 minutes of material. This is like an hour and a half and like I'm halfway into it and I'm like wow, like this is like really fascinating, oh, but they awesome. talk about how uh the song on Thriller that nobody remembers was even a single, let alone the first single, is the song The Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yeah. And the reason that was released is it was recorded before they even had the rest of the album finished and released very early because Michael Jackson basically had gone to extents to where he realized that he, the, it, when it came to like an R&B artist, if you're a black R&B artist, until you have a pop crossover you're only just an R&B artist. You're not a superstar. Mm -hmm. And he realized the only way that I'm going to, even as Michael Jackson, the only way I'm going to actually cross into the mainstream is I get the biggest star I could think of where pop radio station can't deny, but play them. So he's like, I'm going to do a duet with Paul McCartney and then they have to play me on pop stations that I'm instantly a pop star. And then he did another duet with him and stabbed him in the back. Do you know this famous story about him stabbing Paul McCartney in the back? Is that the Ebony and Ivory one? And then he stole the, the Beatles no, licensing he, stuff? He, no, he didn't do Ebony and Ivory. He did um, uh, Say, 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 which the film clip was like oh, a okay. Western one. But yeah, no, the famous story, of course, if people don't know, is Paul McCartney gave Michael Jackson some famous advice where he said like, hey, Michael, if you want to make... That, that's not Paul McCartney, whatever. He's like, if you want to make money, the best way to make money in the music industry is to buy the rights for like another artist's yeah. uh, music and then you will become a bit... And he's like, oh, oh, thanks, Paul. Thanks so much. Then like a week later, he bought the rights to the Beatles music. <laughs> and I think till the day he died, Michael Jackson, I think, made his most money because he owned the rights. So every time mm -hmm. he played a Beatles song... He owned it. Like, he made money. And Paul McCartney, like, would always bag out Michael Jackson for the rest of his life. So, funny. Good on you, Michael. He's king. King of pop. Rest in peace. Uh, I want to watch anyways, that, the, Thanks for the recommendation. It was on my it's, list. It's anyway. very good. Yeah. I mean, they, they have behind-the-scenes footage. They got handwritten notes where Michael Jackson, before Thriller was even recorded, he's writing down everything that's wrong with his professional he, career yeah. and all the things he doubts about himself, and it's in his own handwriting, like a journal it's, entries. And this is, I mean... I could go and speak for hours on Michael Jackson and how what a genius that man is. Um, but yeah, I love all these documentaries on him. And if any, like uh, tangible, it's on the same topic. If anybody, if you ever go to New York or if you're in an area to see the MJ the musical play, which is coming to Sydney after I've left, by the way, uh, one of the best stage performances I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so good. And uh, just see it. Michael Jackson, genius. Michael Jackson Oz coming soon to the Oz Network. Now, getting to the second best performance Ben's ever seen, uh, Ricky Schroeder as Mike Doyle. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to throw him on Wait until you were swallowing to throw that one out there. Uh, well, okay, I'll I'll say this. I mentioned it. I don't remember hating Ricky Schroeder in the season. I remember having uh, feelings about one way or the other. <laughs> it, he was uh, decent. Uh, this is like getting Sean Astin at this point, you know? People knew who Ricky Schroeder was. He was coming off of NYPD Blue, which, you know, he was on for several seasons. You know, big star, one of the biggest shows on TV. They've got him on 24. Um, and I don't think that he does that poorly with the material he's given. It's the material he's given that is really the problem here because he is so all over the place. Uh, the introduction of his character is just absurd. I mean, we basically have Sean Astin here. Everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, I worked with him back in Denver and he was terrible and all that. He's literally attacking people physically in his first scene in this episode. So and this is all, all it reminds me of. It reminds me of a very terrible movie that we had to watch during our worst bad movie month ever last year called Showgirls. And a little actress named Elizabeth Berkeley, whose career ended because she decided to perform an entire movie 
erratic and like almost like high as a kite and basically aggressive with everything and flailing arms and everything. Mike Doyle is the Elizabeth Berkeley of 24. Uh, and not necessarily Ricky Schroeder's fault. It's just, why did they write this character where every third scene he's choking somebody or hitting somebody and he's doing this in an office setting. It makes no sense. I, I can't disagree with you there. The only difference is here. I don't get to see Ricky Schroeder's boobs. So um, <laughs> it would have been better. Ricky, Ricky Schroeder, get your boobs out. That's all I'll say here, you know, and then I maybe uh, I like it. There's not much else that goes on with him. I just I want to get that out of the way. So, I mean, I'll, oh. I'll give you I'll give you the floor here to talk about uh, your issues with it. Is it similar to mine? Is it just the fact that he he goes from zero to I don't know nine hundred out of nowhere, and it just logically doesn't make sense in this setting? Yeah, I mean, look, I honestly can't say I've probably seen him in anything. I don't. I never watched NYPD Blue. I mean, I haven't got his filmography open at the moment to look. I'll look in a sec. But, like, it's just... Like, he was a child star yeah, in no, the no. 80s, and then he kind of made this comeback as an adult. But I think, like, when jumptheshark.com used to be a good website, and they actually... Because Jump the Shark jumped the shark in the late, the late 2000s, and they were bought out by some major corporation bought out Jump the Shark, EW or something like that. But they used to have, like, a really cool website where, like, they would literally have every TV show... And you could, like, they would list in order, fans would vote, like, what moment did the show jump the shark? And it was really, really cool. Um, and I swear they had a category for Ricky Schroeder. Like, Ricky Schroeder, <laughs> there was a handful of actors that if they joined your show, it, the show would always tank. And I'm pretty sure Ricky Schroeder was one of those actors. So I remember when he got cast that there were fans who were going like, oh, Ricky Schroeder, like, he's got a bad reputation for, like, tanking shows. And... Uh, but, like, there's just something about him <laughs> that makes you want to lash out irrationally. Where <laughs> did you hear that? From Neil, he listens to me. Yeah, and then he charges you for it. <laughs> Coming up, folks. Well, at least at the time of the recording, this all I watched that. That was a couple of weeks ago, if you're listening to this now. But, um, yeah, there's just, I don't know. And, like, there's just the performance. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, the, the material that he gets given isn't good. But, like, literally for him to be choking... Milo in a second. And I'm not opposed to like a brash, arrogant character who kind of like, oh, you you know, I thought you were a jerk in Denver, but you're still a jerk here. And he's just kind of like, yeah, I am. Like, I mean, like, I don't mind those type of people, but maybe like this is where Powers uh, Booth is going to play this better. Maybe it's Ricky Schroeder can't deliver it in a way where it's believable. I mean, we get him just constantly choking people, constantly being dicks. Then like next week, we're going to get him being racist in like five seconds. Like, it's just like, Certain things that just like just do not sit well. He looks weird. I'm sorry, Ricky. I'm sorry, but you've just got this like boyish look about you that makes me look like a man boy. You kind of look like Josh. Like jo you should be Josh's, <laughs> dad. Be Josh's dad. Because when we get you two working, and like the fact is that you pair these two together soon is terrible. I just, I just, I can't buy him as an action man either. Like it's just there's something about him that just rubs me the wrong way. Um, there's just so many things I do not like about him and his character, like choking freaking like Morris within three seconds. Uh, oh. like Morris, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know, mate. Why did you like, think, Jesus Christ, <laughs> workplace standards. He's going to let this <laughs> brand new guy come in and try, I'm going to try that at work tomorrow. A new person. Hi, this is Jenny, a new employee. Why did you drink my coffee? Ben, naughty, <laughs> naughty. Like, come on. Um, and why did it take them this long to replace Curtis too? Yeah. We're like, 12 hours later, Division had nobody else to send over but Ricky Schroeder. <sighs> you know they're up shit creek when they're all over Ricky <laughs> Schroeder. Um, yeah, I have uh, just, 
I'm not going to be kind to this we, guy in the coming weeks. I'm sorry. I hate Mike Doyle. We do get the, the great line, though, from uh, from Morris, though, where Milo's, like, asking him after he gets choked out. Are you okay? He goes, oh, the shirt's a blend. It doesn't yeah. wrinkle. <laughs> that's well, I, I hope that that's improv because I don't think that the writers this season have that much cleverness what, in them. Uh, what is he? What, what else is he known for? I mean, I can't. He hasn't what, been in Rick the movie Schroeder? since 2000. Oh, excuse me. I'm choking on Ricky Schroeder. 2010, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> hasn't been in anything. Um... He won a Golden Globe. Oh, that explains things. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't see anything here that I would have seen him in. So, um, I mean, the rest of the stuff that goes on at CTU is just Milo is the only one who has any common sense here. Where they're uh, talking about um, whether or not they're going to rescue Jack, and he goes, "This probably is going to cause an international incident." Exactly. And everybody's like, "Ah, uh, yeah, maybe." But you know what? It's the right thing to do. Uh, Logan arriving at CTU. Um, I mean. We've never had him in a scene with Chloe before, and this is like it's interesting. The, uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker meet Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, but I mean, Chloe here with her response where he says, "Oh, hello, Miss. Who are you?" And yeah. he goes, "I'm just Chloe O'Brien, and I need to do something on this computer." <laughs> it's it's beautifully awkward. That's the word to say. Yeah. Uh, now in the, in the commentary, uh, Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart they they have fun with this. Gene Smart's basically saying how jealous she was she never got to do a scene and. Greg Ritson's almost flaunting. Well, I did get to do a single scene with her and you're watching it right now. Uh, but other than that, in, in the commentary, Jean Smart's basically just perving on the men the entire thing, which is the exact same thing she did last season. She's talking about Milo uh, or Eric Belfort reminding her of an old boyfriend of hers. The best part, <laughs> though, <why>. is... <laughs> the best part, though, is when they're talking about um, um, Ricky Schroeder. And oh. I don't know who it was she was... I don't know if it was one of her kids or her. She did mention her son had a thing for Nadia, but then uh, she mentioned somebody else in her family when uh, Ricky Schroeder came on and says, oh, they're going to try to force this guy down your throat as being the new Jack Bauer. And she's basically like, yeah, no, he's too much of a schmuck for that to be pulled off. <laughs> That's basically her reaction. Yay. Even the commentary, she's like, no, never work. <laughs> Love you, Gene Smart, even more. <laughs> Give that woman an uh, Emmy. I can basically, I think, just go to the end of Please the episode do. here. Uh <laughs> So yeah, they're they're debating about an act of war. Uh, they're talking about we need to raid the consulate so we can get uh, Jack out of there. But Logan might be able to get his wife to talk to Anya Suvorov. Remember her last season? They had a nice car ride together, uh, and uh, they're apparently still friends. So they got a backup plan. Now this is one of the few things I actually like in this episode is that you have this play where where you have Bill even calling Logan up where he's on his way there. And he's in, he's in the helicopter. <laughs> Chopper command. Can you patch me through to Charles Logan? Uh, and I also love that Bill just says, put Logan on the line. He doesn't say Mr. President. He doesn't yeah. even say Mr. Logan. Put Logan on the line. Uh, and then when he's talking to him, he says, okay, so we've got the order. We're supposed to go in and we're supposed to get Mark off and get Jack. And then he's like, okay, but like that's going to cause an international incident. All I got to do is get my wife to talk to Anya. Says, I know, sir. But in case that fails, we got a backup plan. I, we, we've been criticizing this whole season and it's not like the writers aren't capable of, of writing a scenario where there is no backup plan. We, we've gone through five seasons prior to this where this is our only lead and we joke about it, but in most of the cases, it is their only lead. Now you got two leads. There you go. Uh, but uh, he arrives and we get this nice awkward meeting between him and uh, Aaron outside. Uh, oh, oh we, we can't skip. I almost missed it here. Aaron comes home. Because on the day a nuclear bomb oh, goes off, yes. he decides to go to buy some fresh produce and magazines yes. for Martha. <laughs> Finally, I've seen what I've wanted to see. Agent Aaron Pierce buy fruit. 
Who hasn't oh, wanted and, to and, see this? And uh, things that just make this worse. So uh, the, the book that Martha's reading, Sense and Sensibility, I had to freeze frame. One of Jamie's favorite books. Jamie loves all those Jane Austen things. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Such a man answer. We oh, women those love those Austin Jane things. Austen things. <laughs> but uh, she's reading this book, and I guess it, Jean Smart actually said she picked this book herself for Martha to be reading, although she wasn't even looking at the screen. She's like, oh, it was a classic book, wasn't it? Yes. What classic book was it? I don't recall. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's on screen. It's in Sense and Sensibility. She's like, I don't remember what the book is as you're looking at Sense and Sensibility. But this stuff, okay, we, fine. You want to show Martha and Aaron, they, they live happily ever after. Fine. Why are you starting the scene by saying, oh, Aaron, I really wish you wouldn't go out in the middle of the fallout. Well, it's OK. I wanted to buy you some magazines and here's some blueberries and and some kiwi <laughs> from Mills or whatever it's called. Oh, I love that, man, or whatever it is. And like, why are any of these stores open? Like, oh, Nuke just went off. I can't close down the magazine stand. My, my, my produce stand will suffer. Your produce stand has now got radiation in it. I mean, they're going to die off. of radiation by eating these kiwis. You think the skin's going to protect you from radiation? Uh, it's just. They, they also, I, I don't know whether they were joking in the commentary, but they're talking about, yeah, you know, often you watch these things and you're like, oh, a nuclear bomb just went off. But then in reality, you look at it like, well, that's not that big of a mushroom cloud. I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two. Gregory, it's in Gene Smart. Well, it's never going to happen again, but uh, uh, I, I hope there's more commentaries. Uh, I hope that there's some random episode of covert affairs where the commentary is gene smart I, joins gregory it's in i need Shannon to find Dury. out if she had like instagram or something did she post a tribute to um to gregory it's in yeah oh she must happy. have she did mention though that in this uh she the, does have an instagram Ma good for her martha logan's bungalow let me get there but uh she had gotten a picture taken with arnold schwarzenegger and she told them i want to put this picture in here because it'll make sense you know former first lady with governor of california arnold schwarzenegger and even though this was an actual picture she had, they couldn't get uh, Schwarzenegger's office at the time to agree to allow this picture in there in, in time to film it. And, and that's why I think that this was like maybe a last minute thing where they they brought her in. I mean, the script certainly screams this was a last minute thing, uh, but that would have been a nice detail. Uh, but yeah, so Aaron answers the phone here. Martha Logan's bungalow. Like who answers a phone like that? <laughs> I mean, ben, do you answer the phone? Ben Waterworth, one bedroom. Ben I, speaking. I, all the time. What are you saying? <laughs> I don't want Jack, uh, Jack Bauer's uh, dual level. Uh, how may I help you? Like, who who announces what type of home and dwelling you have? And where are her Secret Service people? Because First Ladies still get oh, yeah. Secret Service. But I guess I do know. She that asked that in the commentary. <laughs> there's a purview or something like that, though, if you get a divorce that you don't. So ma technically, maybe she doesn't, but I guess she got divorced for correct reasons. But I know because like... Which isn't public knowledge, though. True. But there was a big, huge thing around uh, Melania Trump about people talking about her, like, getting a divorce and Donald now that they're not the president anymore. But they said, like, they'll never get divorced because if Melania divorces him, she loses all her privileges as a former first lady. So may technically, that is like a bit of a loophole that maybe they're accurate with. We are questioning this. It literally just occurred to me. She's dating Aaron Pierce. Uh, so, <laughs> does she need it? Probably not. Maybe he's like, I'm the only secret service she needs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, he's going out and buying magazines because every vendor is open <laughs> on the day of a nuclear bomb. He's answering the phone, Martha Logan's bungalow. Uh, and uh, Logan's calling. He wants to speak to her. She doesn't want to talk to you. A lot of back and forth like that. Eventually says, I need to come over. This is a matter of national security. It's about, tell, tell her it's about Never Anya. Works. I and say that all the time to women I'm trying to get into bed with. <laughs> Never works. 
that, that's that's why Noah hasn't been on an episode on the Oz Network for who knows how long. Ben, Noah, it's a matter of national security. No, 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 Ben, you've tried this before. Yeah. Uh, try calling Gene Smart. Maybe you'll get her on the episode with you. We should try that. We can get Gene Smart's number. This is a matter of national security. We need you to come on to do an interview about season six of twenty four. Yeah. She and by the way, she sadly didn't post a tribute to Gregory Itzen, but she's posted a picture of what? her with a skeleton. Yeah. So, um, okay. <laughs> so maybe she did. <laughs> 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 Too soon, Colin, but funny. Um, I apologize uh, if anybody close to Gregory is out there listening. That, that, that's actually um, a solid joke. Um, she has a she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, not not to oh. say that she doesn't deserve one, but I mean, like there are some people I could easily say that don't have one, and she doesn't have one. It looks like that. Looks like John Kazar was there with her on the day he got it. She got it. So oh, oh how come he doesn't have one? He should. Have well, one. let's start the petition. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he drops Subarov's name. She decides, all right, let him come over. Um, when Aaron greets him at the door, I love this awkwardness where there's just no hands. Again, Aaron Pierce, even in this season where it's like, oh, this is just fan service or whatever, he still doesn't get out of character. And he, he, he he's, he's doing these things. It's like, logically, he wouldn't want to shake his hand. But yet he still feels like Aaron to me. Yeah. When he's just ignoring the hand and going aside, like it's he's still respectful. And the scene we have coming later on, kind of a nice moment between these two. I like that too. Uh, I love Martha's line here. This is my opening line. I don't look after to tolerate your sarcasm and everything. Um, but uh, I, I, when when he comes in, it's like, all right, Martha will be out in a minute. And then he goes in the room. It's like, I'm sorry. She's decided she doesn't want to see you. Okay, five minutes ago, she said, come over. And then he says, she doesn't want to see you. And like, oh, well, that wasn't worth the trip. And then she comes out. Hello, Charles. It sounds so <laughs> familiar of many of my first dates. <laughs> but it's just what what kind of flip-flopping is going on here it's like uh and, and now th- because it's martha logan we accept this makes sense yes tell charles he could come over uh charles is here i don't want to see him okay then she comes out 10 seconds later hello charles <laughs> right after he says she doesn't want to see there. you hello there <laughs> um so the the biggest problem i have with this whole storyline this is what we get out of this this season and i don't even mind if we had had more build with martha if we got another episode leading into this with martha before the resolution or you get another episode after this before you get the stabbing i feel like this plays a little bit better but if this had any relevant connection to the plot we're already grasping at straws as to why logan's phone number was given to him by philip bauer an answer we're never going to get to by the end of the season and now your plan b is even after the vice president has made a phone call directly to the Russian president. Maybe if I get the former first lady who's divorced from the former president, who who was basically there during the one of the worst days of the Subarov's lives, maybe if I get her to call and talk to the wife, she'll be able to convince the husband to do it. Like, it's, is it plausible? Yes. But is this, it's grasping at straws in reality. And there's no way that you can hang your entire plot on this. And it's hard to get invested in this as a plot line when it's as flimsy as it is. Because, in reality, this is what works in the show reality. I mean, this is what ends up working. She calls her up, and then they call off this uh, uh, thing or whatever. They give them permission to go in with the Markovs. But it doesn't make sense. Like, they haven't given you enough time to make, make this a last-ditch effort. Stop making this is our A plan. Because even Bill is like, well, this is our A plan. In what world is this your A plan? Get a former first lady to call up the Russian first lady and say, talk to your husband. <laughs> He's not listening to me. Uh, it just, it it doesn't work. Uh, and then Martha's arguing with Charles because they're waiting too long because Suvarov's in the middle of a speech, so they can't be bothered. She's going and cutting her kiwis, which this is weird to me. Did you eat? Are you a fan of kiwis? No, uh, the fruit and the okay. people. 
Okay. <laughs> the bird's fine, not. though. <laughs> but uh, kiwis, I mean, the way that I've always known you eat them is that you, you know, cut it in half and you scoop it out with a spoon. It's like a melon, right? Uh, but she's basically peeling this kiwi and then cutting it into slices, which, I mean, a kiwi is essentially like a strawberry, but the strawberry, you at least have the exterior. I, I can't picture grabbing a strawberries just in juicy interior and eating it with my hands. And she puts out a bowl of kiwis, which maybe this is a thing in California. I don't know, but it, it, it looks kind of weird to me. Uh, you get this moment with uh, Logan talking to Aaron, and it's like, by the way, I really respect how you've taken care of Martha. You're a good man, Agent Pierce. And then even the way that Aaron looks at him, like it's it, it's kind of a nice moment where he's like, well, I'm just doing my job. It's all in the line of duty, sir. <laughs> I will like that. sleep with and, the old woman. <laughs> uh, but then the way that like Martha blows up here, like I I I really trying to like this. Because it is great to see that she hasn't lost the character. Jean Smart is instantly back in this character. Everything she does, including star stabbing Charles, makes sense with this character. Other than the fact they say that she's sober now. So, they're, 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 you know, I don't know why she would be as erratic as she was before. Uh, but the way that she just blows up at them, it's like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> and he's like, thank you, Agent Pierce, for watching my wife. Um, she just out of nowhere stabs him. Now, I remember this is a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. It is not the cliffhanger. We got 10 minutes left in this episode. Yeah. It is a almost throwaway moment as she's yelling at Charles for only about 30 seconds. And then she takes a knife and she stabs him. Her reaction, great. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is Martha Logan. But it's the lack of build towards this. And it's the lack of follow through that gets really frustrating. He's going to get carted off. She's eventually going to get on the phone to Anya uh, in her panic. as she said, why am I in handcuffs? And he's like, you just tried to kill former president. Which even they then I would argue to. the reaction is very, like we see a lot this season, the president's trying to get killed this season, who gives a shit out of the president? <laughs> uh, she also mentions that he his prison is a 10,000 square foot home with mm. a pool and a tennis court, uh, which I'm sure he answers the phone, Logan's 10,000 foot square home. <laughs> so we pull it into the court. Maybe I should um, uh, try to kill a former president and get house arrest. It sounds better than where I'm living right now. <laughs> Joe, did you hear that? Joe! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she ends up calling Anya, which all happens off screen. Anya, I need to talk to you about your husband. Uh, and next thing you know, they're going to call this thing off, but they've already had to go with their plan B of let's go into the consulate. So Mike Doyle's there. Now, this is another one of these little things that just rub. If you had had anything decent in this episode, I would accept it. But you are outside the Russian consulate, which somebody has just gone inside and taken somebody hostage and is currently John McClaning through the building. And you got security on the outside, and you got Mike Doyle and his CTU team hiding behind a three-foot retaining wall, <laughs> speaking at regular volume when these Should guys are 10 feet now? away. What? Nothing? Is it time to start killing the Russians? <laughs> it's just, it looks so ridiculous. And then they give the okay, they go in there, it's Suvorov who gives the okay. And this gets even stupider <laughs> because Suvorov is like, oh, Oh, yeah, that was really bad of Markov. Well, you know what? I give you full permission to go in and kill all of my innocent people who are just following commands. Why doesn't he call any of the other people at building and say, listen, don't listen to Markov. Stand down. Arrest Markov. And give me Markov. Yeah. Like, you're no Russian president is going to... You think Joe Biden is going to be like, oh, you know what? We heard that... Uh, Johnny Jenkins over there in the American embassy uh, <laughs> has been doing some bad stuff. Uh, so, Putin... You know what? Go in there and shoot him in the head and take out all the innocent guards on your way in. Because they end up killing all these guys. And then you have Jack, who spent the entire episode hiding out in the supply closet with, with 
uh, Johnny and Kate uh, Russian sex, whatever they are. <laughs> Johnny and Kate Russian Kate sex. Russian sex. <laughs> One word, Russian sex. I don't know. Uh, and then they, they, they go in there. He's like, I'm Jack Bauer, I'm a federal agent. And then he was like, this man needs medical attention. He is not a hostile. Neither were the other 20 people you just killed coming in here. Which the best part of this whole thing is Ricky Schroeder's delivery of the line. He literally says it like this. Send medical to the basement. I'm Mike Doyle. There's no <laughs> cap in any of that. Well, he didn't get the moment. Send medical to the basement. I'm Mike Doyle and I'm choking you right now. So do it. <laughs> I want him to choke Jack Jab back bow. Oh, these really innocent people. I forgot. I Russian. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, it's so stupid that Suvorov would, this would be his plan. Yes. Go in there and kill all my people. They kill a bunch of innocent people who are just following commands. And then Jack says, this man's not a hostile, but none of the others were. And after all this, we get a shot of Logan in the ambulance, which I do love this moment. I love that Logan going out and flatlining, and he just says, one name, Martha. Now, why did he say that name? <laughs> why did he say that name? <laughs> why did you say that name? <laughs> Total different context now. But, I mean, to me, this is worth bringing back the Logans for because we get Logan, I'm reformed, I'm okay you know, I've, I, I want to help. And then this is that, that punchline. This is the, the, the exclamation mark of why did he do all this? And then all this happens. And even I remember the first time I watched this, I wasn't even thinking in terms of, you know, oh, he only did all this to help to try to win Martha back. I'm just thinking for him, he's like, is Martha okay? Is she, this is Anakin. Is she all right? Is she still alive? No. <laughs> Seems in your anger, <laughs> you killed her. Uh, but this moment of him, just one word, Martha, you get the sadness of Logan over the last couple of years. And again, you don't have to agree with what he's done to still feel for this guy a little bit. This is what he went through. And even after being stabbed by the woman, she's still the only thing he's thinking about. Too bad we will never get a resolution to this. Yeah, I remember watching it for the first time and you're like, oh, stabby McMartha face. And then like, oh, like, will Logan be okay? But again, you're dumb and naive. I'm nearly 20 years old back then. You're thinking like, oh, this is going to get resolved next week because that's generally how television works. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's, there is decent stuff with this Martha and, and Logan and Aaron stuff, which is intriguing. But again, also like this season, it's rushed. This is literally not even in an episode. It's three quarters of an episode. You know, I, like, yeah, it's fan service to see Aaron and Martha, but in a way it's kind of like, okay, well, good to see these two lived happily ever after. You know, I, I kind of almost like seeing civilian Aaron in a way, although, like, the fruit thing and all that kind of stuff is just dumb. I do kind of like this Aaron stands up to Charles, like, I don't have to tolerate your sarcasm. And then mm. I do like the moment when they're in the bungalow, Martha's bungalow, and basically, I, I like that moment where she's like, does it bother you to see me with another man? Like, just kind of like the way she's kind of just like toying with him. And even and just the way Gregory Eaton is just like, yes, it does. Like, I just I kind of mm. like that. And then, like, I love sort of Aaron almost being like the the conduit between the two of them. And like, oh, Martha's yeah. in one of her moods. You know what she's like, <laughs> old Charles. Um, but, you know, in that bedroom, she goes off. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't mind that. And then even the stabbing part, like, it was a shock when you watch it because, again, you're right. Like, it is so Martha. Like, it just it, – it fits. But it's also just the way it's delivered, the way she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then five minutes later, I deserve a medal for stabbing him. Like, mm. it's kind of well, – I get she's a bipolar character literally and, like, she's going to have these mood swings. But it just – it feels a bit jarring. And then also, like, 
This is a former president of the United States. They're, I don't give a shit that that's his ex-wife or not. They're jumping on her. Like, they're pinning her to the ground. Yeah. Like They're geez, probably shooting her. Ex- exactly. Like, I mean, they're stabbing her back. Like, don't you stab him? <laughs> and also, I, I question, like, again, I don't know much about the human body, but I think it was in these, like, right, like the heart. It was on the other side of the heart. I'm sure there's an artery, like, there in your your chest or whatever you call that, shoulder. Like, it's near, like, your, uh, what's that, your collarbone area. Mm. But I don't know if there's a vital organ that's only going to kill him. Like, I mean, because plus the way, like, I do kind of like the way Gregory Eaton kind of just looks at it and he's like, oh, well. Like, it's very similar to Curtis when he got shot in the neck. He was just like, oh, well, this is going to leave a bruise. Um, and he just pulls it. Never pull it out, Gregory Eaton. Come on, I've watched enough ER to know that you leave it in. That's what she <laughs> said. What? Um, but <laughs> there was something there which that's I knew. What, you... That's what Kate Russian Sex said. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's my new favourite name. Um but, yeah, like, it just, it all plays out, like, you know, whatever. And then, I don't know, the ambulance is done. Yeah, you cover that. The th- the questions are, like, I don't mind this whole notion of Martha has to be the one to call the Suvorovs. I kind of like that. And this is the last time we ever see Anya Suvorov. We do get uh, old, uh, what's his name, John Majors or whatever his name. Not John Yuri. Majors. What's he, what's the actor's name? John Noble. Um, we do get him back. No, John Noble is Markov. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, you're <laughs> right. Uh, so I would be, of course, talking about the esteemed... <laughs> Other guy, um, the Australian guy, Nick Jamison, not even close. <laughs> Samsonite, <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> uh, we need to get that shirt. Um, listen yeah. to my uh, Joseph Polisavakis interview on Off the Podium, by the way, because he's a bit of a film buff and his favourite movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber. So we have a bit of a Dumb oh, and Dumber conversation. He'll be listening again. next year. Exactly. Or this year. Um, but sorry, uh, Nick Jamison is there. But my biggest question is, so we see this scene of like, Martha on the phone to Anya. It's like, I need to talk to you about something. She's like, yes, tell me everything. I swear five seconds pass and then you see President Suvorov on the phone to the, uh, what's his face in the embassy. Turn off your drone, you fuckhead. Like, literally. So what is Martha going like? He's evil, put the president on. Okay, put me on the, like he's connected in five seconds. They've cut the DSL off. Uh, (laughs) I mean... I don't know how Russian technology works, but five <laughs> seconds, DSL's faster. Cool. <laughs> Russian technology. Great. Also, um, this is a plot hole, which I think I have just discovered. You're welcome, 24 Wiki. Take this for free. So we hear that Martha can't speak to Anya immediately because she's delivering a speech to Russia. This is nearly 7 p.m. in Los Angeles, okay? <laughs> Time difference to Moscow. It's 7 p.m. in L.A. It is 6 a.m. in Moscow. So it would be about They're early risers. I mean, again, I guess the correction here is Russia's a large country. She could be maybe on the East coast in like Siberia or somewhere. And like, that's closer. Fair enough. There's your explanation, but she's in like a mansion thing here. Like, and no disrespect to Siberia, but that's where I know you get sent to like the gulags to get tortured. So like, unless Russians are like, yes, it's five forty-five. time for annual first lady address. Like, (laughs) get up on us. Very important. 5.45 a.m. What does Russian... And this is a country that hates women. Like, I mean, this is a sexist, a misogynistic dinosaur of a country. It's Russia. Um, Anyway, but uh, it's all whatever. And Mike Doyle invade, like, just the invade. And you're right. Like, all these poor Russians getting killed. And just like, oh, I hate that line. Send medical to the basement. I'm Mike Doyle. Have a breath, my friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and like, does Johnny Russian sex die here? Because like he's been shot. 
Jenny Russian sex doesn't seem to care. Oh, now I can go sleep with Frank Russian sex. I don't um, want Johnny Russian sex to be dying. He's in the ambulance. He's like, Martha. <laughs> Everybody's saying her name. If I get shot this week and I'm in an ambulance, I'm going to go, Martha. <laughs> Why did you say that name? You got the reference. <laughs> I used to have on like my Tinder profile. Tell me why you don't like sand, and I'll buy you. A, I'll buy you an ice cream. Like two references in one, and I think only two people literally replied with "It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere." No one ever replied oh. with "You put your clothes on, and I'll buy you an ice cream." Which I was like, "Damn it!" Uh, I I just wanted to interject. Are you done? I am done, Colin. Thank you for asking. Okay. I uh I, I had I had a coworker where uh this week Russian uh, I don't remember what it was. I yes, it was Johnny Russian sex, <laughs> but uh, he uh, I don't even know what he said or did. He goes, and I said, you're cleverer than you look. And he didn't get the reference. So I said the meme. I'm like, it's a James Bond reference, but I don't blame you for not getting it because it's from Die Another Day. And that's terrible. And he says, you're right. That is terrible. I said, good opinion. You're cleverer than you look. <laughs> he was able to respond that way. Well, I had um, uh, of the two New York girls that you often get confused. Jen, the one that you did get confused at one time. Um, I spoke to her on the phone the other day and she literally answered, hello there. And I'm like, hello, everyone. And she didn't get it. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you didn't say Jen's two bedroom. West. Yeah. As far as the, this episode goes, it's sad, but the best stuff is the Logan stuff. And I had issues with this, even when it originally aired. And I, I, I do honestly believe looking back at this now that an episode leading into this, it would have been easier to accept. But when you're only Martha episode of the season, and when you know that you wrap this story up and it all is just, you know, th these exes bickering and then one stabbing the other, like, I don't feel like in 2007, even people who completely bought everything about this show is in like, Logan is evil. He deserves to die. I don't even think those people wanted to see Martha stab Charles. And is it a great twist? I mean, at the time it kind of works. It's shocking. It's not the cliffhanger. Um, and I think that's one of the other reasons why it kind of falls a little bit more flat now on a rewatch, but it, it plays slightly better than I think I anticipated it would on a rewatch, but it's, it's just, I don't feel like this is, this is what I want. This isn't what I wanted. And not yet, sadly, it is it, this, <laughs> not my 24. Exactly. And yet, sadly, this is probably the strongest part of this episode, even though it is still very flawed. Everything else is just so much worse. I mean, this this episode without this is probably the worst episode ever made. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, there are worse to come, but this has been worst of all time at this point. It's just not good. Um and fun fact for you, actually. I mean, I'm jumping into next week's trivia, but it's related to this week because he's in this episode as well. I think we may have mentioned, maybe you did mention this in one episode, but if you if you didn't, here's a fun fact for you. CTU agent Ryan, who I think is the main agent who storms the compound, is played by Lex Kazar, who is John Kazar's son. Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah, so the main sort of side CTU agent is actually John Kazar's son. Uh, Alexis yeah, he's in, he's in a Lex couple Kazar. episodes, isn't he? Yeah, so this is next week's trivia is that uh, his oldest son, Alexis Lex Kazar, made his 24 acting debut this season playing CTU agent Ryan for 11 episodes. So other than that, the trivia um, this week is just, it's a it's chat nothing. with Gregory Itson about returning. Next week's interesting though, because I'm, I'm putting this down because I'll forget this next week. Uh, it's talking about Eric Balfour, about apparently they tried to get him back for like every season since season one. They really wanted to bring back Milo. 
Wow. But um, every season it just didn't work. Like he was on the books the season two, but they just Eric Balfour was too busy being naked and showing off but, his large dong. So they finally got what, him back for season six where it worked. What's weird about that? It's, I know he's a guy that he, he, I'd spot in things every once in a while. I'd go, hey, it's Milo. <laughs> That's Milo, <laughs> whatever his name is. But uh, I don't, was he that in demand where he, he, <laughs> wasn't willing to sign on to for 24 because Skyline didn't even come out till after 24. When you've got a dong that big, you're wanted for everything. <laughs> That's why Tom Cruise is so busy. Gene Smart had him locked up in her bungalow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't able to get out for seasons two through five. There's no other trivia uh, I see here that's any interest. Yeah, but the best yeah. trivia that's even on the wiki page right now is basically Ricky Schroeder gets the end credit from this episode <laughs> four. <laughs> and we, do, is, well, I mean, obviously, as we said, this is Gene Smart's last ever appearance. Um, we, Aaron, we don't get him. We do get him back. I always thought we got him never again, but he does come back next season. But we only get him. I think we get him for about half of next season, to be fair. But um He's after season seven, he's not in it anymore. Yeah, because I do remember that them are at least being some type of follow up on like, oh, how's Martha doing? Oh, yeah. still good. No, Yo, good. loving those Kiwis. No, I'm pretty sure from memory, uh, next season he says that they break up. So, oh, yeah. spoiler Sad. alert. Uh, they were such a great couple. He brought too <laughs> many the- uh, gooseberries. She hates gooseberries. <laughs> um, this episode is, as I said, not going to be my bottom two of the season because my bottom two of all time are the bottom two of, uh, or my bottom two of all time are season six episodes right now. But this is making my bottom five of all time. So this will be 129 out of 133 for me as obviously a bin. I don't even think we have to say at this point, this one's a bin. Um, but uh, seeing Martha and Logan, I mean, this could have been even worse written than it was. And I still would have loved it enough to bump it up a little bit. 133 of 133. No surprises there. Um, Yeah, just not good. Not good at all. Which means that this finishes at number 202 overall out of 216. So I will say three more episodes this season will be worse than it. Um How many of Legacy will be worse than this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the 12 episodes of Legacy will be worse than this. And four episodes of season seven will be worse than this. So uh, there you go. Just some uh, fun to come. I am going to uh, take a wild guess that next week will not be lower than this. Uh, Um, Only just. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes it's coming off of one bad episode uh, where the next one you're like, oh, I kind of like this one. Um, I, I, I don't mind next week's episode nearly as much as I mind this one. We're, we're going to get, uh, this is mostly where Nadia's story starts to take off. But, uh, more importantly, we get something with Kim Raver. Um, technically, I don't know, we see corner of a picture on a file, but her character, the storyline of her character is going to start to be introduced next episode, which, uh, I, we haven't really even talked. I know that you said you, you like, like what they do with her when she comes back here, but, uh, we're still a couple weeks away from that, I think, at least. Oh, right? yeah, about, yeah, a few weeks away. But I, I, instead of reading the 24 wiki synopsis, I want to read mine because I'm hilarious. And I wrote this like a year ago and I can barely even remember it. Next week, I according to next week, this is what Ben Waterworth thinks of it. The one where they take the progressive Muslim character of Nadia working for an anti-terrorist organization and make her look like a terrorist and torture because Mike Doyle decides not only to be an asshole, but to be a racist asshole. Yep, they did that. They also decide to kill Audrey off camera and have Jack read a file for a while before playing Flight Simulator for a bit and having the most (laughs) conveniently placed response team in San Francisco ready to put a fire out on a nuclear bomb. Oh, and Regina King returns to look through a window. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's our synopsis. Does that not sum up next week? I mean, it's just... I remember watching this episode live and getting so angry. So angry around what they do with Audrey. 
And I will say it pays off in a couple of weeks. Like this is one of the few things this season that long-term I don't get as angry about because I know what comes with this. So I see why they're doing this and kind of like taking you away from this reveal in a few weeks, which one of the very smart things they do in this few smart things they do in this season. But at the time, uh-uh. I was I was furious at this episode. Mm. I bet you were. Uh, <laughs> uh, blow your nose, Ben. It is very <laughs> runny all of a sudden. I'm allergic to this episode. Get over it. Get rid of it. Uh, what other stuff we got going on? We have, uh, as long as all things uh, connected, we're starting Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Either it was out this week or next week, but what we'll be covering the eight episodes of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, uh, which I'm already hearing other podcasts talk about this. So we got to get ah, on the bandwagon. Ben. Better copy other we're, ones. We're, we're, we're falling behind here. Uh, and then we'll be back for more 24 next week uh, when we get to talk about racist Ricky Schroeder and Jack staring at files and playing Flight Simulator. Uh, my name is Collins Bungalow. And my name is Ben Russian Sex. And you've lost weight. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time like exclusive stuff yes, yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)